This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco. It's Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. I'm Jessran Nam. And this is Jamal Dejani. Jamal, we have a fantastic show today. And um, it's really going to be talking about the attacks on uh, Ilham Omar, Congresswoman in the U.S. Senate, and this kind of firestorm that has been created around her, her speech and in studio. We're very fortunate to have with us uh, Professor Rabab Abdul Hadi, professor at San Francisco State, um, director and founder of the Ahmed Program, international scholar, arguably one of the finest scholars on the question of Palestine and intersectionality in the question of Palestine. And so I think we should just get into this, Rabab, right away. I want to ask you this question right away. It has been established, it seems, in terms of the public discourse on the question of Palestine, that any criticism of Israel becomes an anti-Semitic trope. And if we talk about what happened with Congresswoman uh, uh, Omar and the firestorm that has been created around her legitimately questioning the financial um, you know, power, let's say, that APEC has in creating, you know, this, this atmosphere, you know, in, in the Congress and in the Senate and in, you know, electoral politics in the United States. It seems like um, you can't criticize APEC, pro-Israel forces. You cannot criticize Israel without being labeled an attack as it being an anti-Semitic trope. What is an anti-Semitic trope anyways? Um, I actually want to, I, I think the way in which the, first of all, thank you for having me. We're always delighted Happy to Valentine's have you. Happy Valentine's for people who do not celebrate Valentine in a commercial way, but in love for humanity and for justice. Uh, I think that uh, the, the, the part of the problem, the way this has been discussed, is that it is actually the center of attention is Israel. It's foreign agent in the in the in DC, yes, APAC, APAC, American Israel one of many, Affairs Committee. One but of it many. is the main it is the main registered. It's actually registered as an agent of foreign government. Yes. It is registered, okay. And it brags about raising money. It actually just start sending out a fundraising campaign now, today, right. just saying that, oh, this is what's going on, give us money. <laughs> <laughs> to 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 put down Ilhan Omar for saying that we raise uh, we raise money in order to pressure people, I think there is really a problem because the discourse that's been presented to us, the narrative, is a narrative of subjugation, submission, and defeat. This is something I've been talking about when since we've started the Teaching Palestine project more clearly. Right. That this is the narrative that presented to us. I would say for me it's kind of Ilhan Omar and everybody else brace yourself because we're in it for the long term and they are going to try and I'm saying they I'm talking about the Zionists I'm talking about right wingers I'm talking about colonists racists white supremacists they're going to keep coming at us with all sorts of ways to basically put us down I mean this is really the, this is what they are right. trying to do and the whole thing about and I before I mean this is you have this this but woman this of is, color but this is what happened to you of course and it's, it's, happen, it's happening it hasn't stopped by the right. way because only uh, this week we discovered that lawfare is actually trying to raise money uh, I think $75,000 or something for the lawsuit in which they had gotten defeated they're We're actually trying to raise saying, more money. We are still suing her. I mean, you know, give it up. Just <laughs> give it up. Give it. But the, the thing is, is that bullies do not give up. They don't. 
Racists do not give up. No. Why? It's because they believe they are entitled. Right. I mean, this is really the problem of entitlement to say whatever they want and crush down anybody who cares to stand up and say there's something wrong with it. I exactly. Mean, this is really you. You're not allowed. You're not but allowed to can, say. Can anything. I push you yeah. a little bit Go on ahead. the yes, uh, yeah. on the uh, on Congresswoman uh, Omar, yeah. who who has really done an extraordinary job as a I freshman. I love her. We do. I mean, yes. she's yeah. she's a strong, yes. brilliant, amazing person. Who fearless. Ha- fearless. Yes. Who has taken it upon herself mm-hmm. to call out truth to power, to, ha- to hold people accountable. We'll get to Elliot Abrams in a second. Mm-hmm. But when you look at what she actually said, the tweet that caused the firestorm. Can we just, before well, we actually even talk about this, yeah. can I just say one thing? I think this is, it is unacceptable for people from indigenous communities, communities of color, marginalized communities, immigrant communities, women, uh, uh, Africans. It is unacceptable, a Muslim hijabi woman. It's unacceptable for us to stand up and actually speak up our mind. And if we dare do so and we dare refuse to be presented as, quote unquote, I say presumed incompetent, according to the book, our two uppity, we need to be put in our place. Yes. This is what happens. It's exactly. kind of like the ways in which she gets, and, and peop, many people have criticized Israel and the lobby, and including the, 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 the lobby, the four-part series that Electronic Intifada and others uh, made this public is from Al Jazeera. series right. from Al Jazeera. Right. I want to put this into context mm. because some of our listeners yeah. might not know about the controversy. Right. In fact, when Please I came ahead, here, yeah. my mm. buddy here at JJ, uh, who's African-American, because mm. I wanted to talk to him about this. You know, and I want to use the quote uh, that uh, Congresswoman Ilham Omar, when she was having a conversation mm. with a journalist, uh, Glenn uh, Greenwald, mm. and uh, talking about APAC and mm. the exact quote that she said, you know, about, you know, the funding behind the machine mm. that is the, is the Israeli lobby in the United States. Yeah. It said, she said, it's all about the Benjamin's baby. Mm. And he said to me, this is a very common thing. Everyone knows that mm-hmm. it's the Benjamins, it's the $100 bill, mm-hmm. and that's, she's talking about the money. Yes, and everyone knows that APAC raises millions of pro- dollars to influence, and to influence politics in this country. Now, they came out, and I love how they represented themselves. Mm-hmm. They're saying, oh, we are a nonprofit organization. We really don't give money directly. Yeah, we know that, that there are that's, many that's indirect ways yeah, by also, you know, advertising, all these trips taking people on Hasbara tours to Israel, all these, uh, you know, members who are urged to put their money behind one candidate or, mm. or the other. So Not their influence... Ears, actually, they're being pressured and their arms being twisted. Yes. I mean, yeah. you know, I've always said the most toxic lobbies in D.C. are the NRA and APAC. Mm. I mean, if we yes. want to talk about one, we can talk about the yes, other one. Yes, yes. But all of a sudden, she says this and they jump all over her. Well, well, the thing, Jamal, in terms of jumping all over her that I found disturbing, you expect the right wing to jump all over her, of course. Mm. But what I found especially disturbing was the complete uh, piling on and throwing under the bus bus of uh, Congresswoman Omar by the Democratic elite, the the Democratic Party. I'm not surprised. I mean, this is... I'll tell you why I'm not surprised. I mean, politically, is that everybody from Nancy Pelosi to all these people who've done it actually have received rewards 
from APAC and have you look at the APAC uh, annual uh, uh, conference. Look who's speaking there and look and match. I mean, really make a list of who was speaking at the APAC conference and who's piling on against Ilhan Omar, number one. Secondly, this is a classical recipe of so-called liberals who are actually haven't received the memo that there is something called racism in this country that actually allows privilege to speak, to do whatever they want to white supremacists and white power. It's called white privilege. I mean, a lot of the time people say, check your privilege, check exactly. your privilege. And they actually give themselves the right to school her and to wang their finger at, at her as if she's a little girl and she doesn't know what she is doing because she is daring to speak out, which is also a title of a book back in the 80s. Uh, Congressman they're, 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 Paul Findlay, who wrote Paul Findlay. But, she's, but the thing is, is that even, I mean, the way you notice, if you look at the discourse, and I think it's really, really important to pay attention, and I'm speaking as somebody who is directing the Ahmed Studies program, who is in the College of Ethnic Studies, we're coming up to the 50th anniversary. Part of the, the, the mission of the 1968 strike was to actually expose That's the, right. structure, the structural uh, um, inequalities, to expose racism, to expose the way people talk with each other. So what they are doing is they're piling on a young Muslim, uh, hijabi, Somali, woman of color, who's actually telling them, I'm fearless. You can't put me down. I'm going to speak up for myself. And they're saying, how dare you? How I mean, dare this you is, speak for I yourself? think this is also part well, of the message, not just about APAC. The subtext, the dog whistle is part of it, is that how dare you? Which also fits with all the attacks in Charlottesville and his highness, uh, President Trump well, here, saying there are good people is, on both is, sides. Well, this so. is a segue. So mm. President Trump, of course, called for her resignation or for yes. her firing from the highest, the, the, the the committees. highest moral authority. I mean, I mean, imagine this mm. is president. So I liked actually her response in mm. a tweet. And this yes. is what uh, Ilhan Omar said in a tweet. Hi, real Donald Trump. That's his handle. You have trafficked hate oh, your whole life against Jews, Muslims, indigenous immigrants, black people, and more. I learned from people impacted by my words. When will you? Mm -hmm. Now, I look at this two ways. Of course, it was a very uh, good answer mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. he's the hater-in-chief as far as I'm concerned yes. yeah. to lecture about words and to uh, people censoring their own speech he never censors himself he just says what's on his mind That's he has right. insulted and he has attacked every single indigenous group you know but it's not but even that jamal jamal also he has no authority to even impart knowledge on anybody this guy gets his news from fox and friends he sits down and makes up stories all the time i mean he's not even he even his facts are not are not uh, truthful so he has no, he has no authority he has no legitimacy to speak about anything well, but here is the question because, uh, yeah. because well, wait this a minute, is her answer. Let me okay. just finish yeah, this. Okay. Just. Yeah, yes. The answer, this is a two-part because, of mm. course, she has responded, mm. but then she also has apologized, and yes. then she said this is a learning uh, experience yes. for me. I don't look at it this way. Neither, I, yeah. I don't see it, mm. and I'll repeat this on the air, that what she said, because the, f the most important thing is the intent behind the words mm. and the context and, and the, the context, context. Mm -hmm. right and yes. then and this was misconstrued and it was twisted around to say you know to conflate criticism of israel and criticism of apac with anti-semitism now 
I have an I have a clue why she apologized because we all know what happened behind closed doors, and and she got a call from Nancy Pelosi yeah. and and others, and who was trying to discipline her? You know, yeah. so that's right. So when she responds, I mean, if I know myself that I'm not a racist, I'm not an anti-Semite, and then it's like somebody trying to put words yes. in my mouth, yes. and then say, well, you people are upset. I mean, and, 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 and it's very Which important. People? She's African. She's by origin Somali. Mm-hmm. She, she, she's an immigrant. She grew up in the hood. Mm-hmm. She listened to rap music. Everyone, especially that age, maybe some, if you're over 50, maybe you don't know, maybe you don't use, you don't reference the Benjamins for the $100 mm-hmm. bill. Mm-hmm. So why did she have to apologize? I don't know. I, I think, I mean, I think this is, this is again, the problem is the way it's being read. It's being read that it's one person. And I think it's really important to remember that every single person who has spoken up recently, recently, just in the recent period, since, since January 1st, 2019, let's not even go about all the history of last year and so on. Every single person who spoke up for justice and for Palestine as part of the indivisibility of justice, especially a person of color, especially a person of, of uh, uh, marginalized communities, has been so much attacked because their authority or knowledge, their ability to speak, actually their standing is questioned that it is not your place. You should not be saying this. It should be the, the pundits and the experts, or foreign policy experts, right. number one. Where do, you, where do you get off? And this has been said, by the way, and we talked about it last week by our own vice president at the SFSU when he went right. and testified be, be, before the board of supervisors over the resolution that we asked them to pass to condemn the attack on the Mavi Marmara and to ask for the lifting the blockade on Gaza. He said, oh, this is not your place. This is not a foreign policy. Foreign policy is something San Francisco stage, San Francisco should not be involved in. Basically, you know, you're be, you people are not really smart. You don't have a standing. You should not be. Why are you even speaking about Palestine? This is this also similar to that, that about Michelle Alexander. Mm. That's this right. is very similar to what happened to Angela Davis. Also, what happened on November 29th to Mark Lamont Hill. Mm. I mean, this stuff is it's happening the all thing. the time. It's systematic. But, but it's but it's part of it also is that. The ways in which people who are further marginalized on religion, on race, on gender, on anything like this, get picked upon in a very different language, in a dog whistle language, than other people who are assumed to have the standing and the expertise de facto to speak about any quote-unquote foreign policy issues, anything, because they are the ones who historically have been speaking. They historically have been in Congress. They historically have been in the leadership of the making of the country. They're the slave owners. They're the people who have all this. They have all of this resources. So they are, nobody questions whether actually they have standing to speak or not. But when a person of color, when a member of our community, when a woman who's wearing the hijab, Mm -hmm. that actually the rules of Congress have to be changed so she can wear the hijab and Mm -hmm. respect and also so it shows also how far how far behind this country is about actually acknowledging religious plurality and so on. So this this young woman gets up and she's strong and she she does no fear. Right. She's fierce and she's saying, "I'm sorry, I am I'm not going to abide by by the rules of the game that you set up for me because the rules of the game in themselves are unjust and unfair well, and perpetuate injustice." She, she, exactly. she also mm-hmm. has not drunk the Kool Aid. Let's say that these Congress 
men and congresswomen have been drinking mm-hmm. for many years. You're listening to the voice of Dr. Rabab Abdelhadi. This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, and I like to welcome our viewers on Facebook Live. I see viewers from uh, Australia to London, excellent to Tunisia, and, and of course the United States. I want to kind of switch gears and talk a little bit about, I mean, connecting this to what yes. the most recent updates that we're having right here in San Francisco. Oh, wait, just can I just, I want to introduce one other thing. I'm sorry to do this because I think it's important mm. because right after this whole thing uh, happened about her, her attack and her analysis and her rightful ability to speak about APAC, She confronted Elliot Abrams mm-hmm, yesterday, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I want to talk just a few minutes, Jamal, excuse me, and ask Professor Abdulhadi. I mean, let's look at Elliot Abrams. War criminal. War criminal. Lied to Congress twice. Yes. Responsible with, you know, for, for death and destruction in Central The America. The training of death squads. Death squads. In Nicaragua Promo- and Salvador. Yeah. El Salvador. Mm-hmm. Promoting the... torture regime mm-hmm. in Central America and right. throughout Latin America, mm-hmm. having the audacity to go to Congress and talk about trying to do the same thing in Venezuela, trying to coup do d'etat. another coup d'etat. Well, because d'etat. they believe that people believe have short memory. Yeah, but... but no, but, but, El- but, but he also, also the, the whole, the power structure actually believes that he has the full right to say whatever that's he what wants to say. That's what you were saying. He And can why, say it. How dare she? get too uppity but that's what and he actually said. challenge power. But also the, also people forget that Ilhan Omar spoke about taxes, spoke about people who are refugees, Healthcare. speaks about the, the undocumented uh, immigrants, right. is against the wall, is against, actually she's standing really for an indivisibility of justice agenda. She's not just speaking about Palestine. A lot of people have bones to pick with her, including the leadership of the Democratic Party, because Ilhan Omar is one of the people who is subverting the uh, hegemony, total hegemony and domination by Nancy Pelosi and others to kind of not be able to get away with it and make all all sorts of these behind our back with the Trump administration. And like, because it is really, their lives are not negatively impacted. They're impacted by all these bad policies. So she is outing things and putting them out and saying, exposure, I'm sorry, I am not, I'm not subject to any lobbies. I'm not receiving any money from any lobbies. I am not my 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 reasons for saying any of these issues. My motivation is justice, and, and they had, don't and they have a very serious problem but with Rabab, that. She yeah. is a congresswoman. Yes, come on, she, she ha- represents the people. She represents yes. the people. Yes. She doesn't have the right to ask Elliot Abrams to call him out to hold him accountable for his past. Yes. You know, But I think this is why it's and, really and she important. Does not, she does not have yeah, the right yeah, to do that yeah. as a congresswoman? Yeah. I think I'm saying this is not. the thing. Who gives Apparently. the right? This is the question of who gives the right. Is it a right that we wait to be granted Or do we because take? of the history we have? We don't even take. We have the right. Yeah. I mean, we, we act like we have, we have the right. And the history in this country, though, has been such that People who are come from marginalized communities are not allowed. They're not. They're not supposed to speak at all, or challenge, or or get, stand in your face, or something. I mean, the bully is going to come. It really reminds me of how Israeli soldiers, that you go to the checkpoint and you say anything, 
you are only supposed to answer what they ask you. And then they can make all sorts of insults. They can say all sorts of things which we've been subjected to. I personally have been sub- on, many, have. on many yeah. times and so on. And then we're not supposed to speak up. We're supposed to shut up. So the remaining yeah. question, I mean, mm. and we keep asking this. <laughs> I mean, I like to ask, how can I express my opinion in this country? How can I criticize Israel? You just do how it. How can I criticize the occupation? How can I criticize apartheid? How can I be critical of the Zionist uh, lobby, l- lobby mm-hmm. without being called an anti-Semite? Without, without this is the heart of having the something used as a, the trope, as they refer to it as uh, an anti-Semitic trope. I think this is the last trick in their in their basket that they are trying discursively speaking in terms of narrative. And sometimes people dismiss narratives and discourse, but actually it's a very powerful how the story is being told and what's the message. And historically, this has been the way that we have been, they use anti-Semitism. I mean, this is really disingenuous and cynical and very opportunistic and actually anti-Semitic use of anti-Semitism. Exactly. Because, because it's, it, 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 like, in order to silence people, because people historically, rightly so, are opposed to anti-Semitism, given the horrific experience of, of killing six million Jews in the Holocaust. So people are horrified by it, and they should be horrified, because if they were horrified before 1939, we would not be in the situation where six million Jews were killed. Okay, so they should be horrified. The problem is that the Zionist lobby is misusing and ironically exploiting anti-Semitism in order to silence any criticism of Israel. By the way, while not dealing with real anti-Semitism, because we do know, if you want to talk about San Francisco State, what happened last semester, Yes. which is myself, a Palestinian faculty member, and students who are Palestinians, anti-Zionist Jews, Latina, Latinos, Asians, African-Americans, all the students, MSA and so on. We protested. We actually took San Francisco State to task for being actually validating this Nazi speech as freedom of speech, weaponizing freedom of speech actually against us. We were the only ones. Right. None of the people who claiming are there are concerned about anti-Semitism from Anti-Defamation League to Jewish Community Relations Center to uh, uh, Hillel to Zionist organization, all of them, the Jewish uh, the, uh, Federation of San Francisco, none of them have spoken up. We were left on our own to stand up and actually expose this and demand that San Francisco should, should not be a safe space for haters, for people who are uh, not white supremacists, racists, should not be. And we were the only ones who were doing this. This is the problem. And this is, so it's kind of misuse and it's actually opportunistic misuse. So we're going to continue speaking about it. They're not happy with it, as we say in Arabic. Okay, we have a few minutes left because you know? I just want to remind our yeah. listeners, yes. we are uh, speaking with Dr. Baba Dehadi, uh, professor at San Francisco State University and the director of Ahmed Studies. And uh, we are also going to be having Maad Abu Ghazali here all the way from Palestine and who created a sanctuary for abused animals, uh, hugs. I want to go back to San Francisco State University because every time you come here, we get a new update. And I'm always like hoping, well, we have great updates because when you defeat the lawsuit like lawfare, I say this is fantastic. But then Mm -hmm. I think, well, maybe now they change their minds. They change their attitude. They don't. So the past two days I was on campus, as you know, mm-hmm. and you were on campus, and I see the students demonstrating mm-hmm. right yes, in front so of the administration yeah. building. Yes. 
Why? Because San Francisco State University puts the religious holiday on its calendar. Imagine, this is like the annual, every university does that. So for the month of May, I'm just, with, mm -hmm. I didn't scrutinize the entire calendar, mm -hmm. but at least for the month of May, Jess, on the, on the calendar, they put independence of Israel, Israel as a religious, religious holiday. For Jews. On, you know, yes, on the, yes. uh, this is how it's listed. Yeah. Well, we all know the month of May, starting approximately May 6th, is Ramadan. So almost Ramadan occupies the entire month of May, not mentioned. Eid al-Fitr is not mentioned. That's right. So you have... And the calendar ends in July. So actually, yeah, yeah. this so, is included, so, right? Yeah. So you think they'll mm. learn from their experience to Appar be sensitive about Apparently Arabs not. and Muslims on campus. And instead, they just always come up with some... But I mean, it's the same experience. And as then they Nancy tell you, we're sorry, it's an error. I mean, right. okay. how yeah, can I, it be an, actually, an error? Actually, I really want to talk about this because this has been quite troubling. I, I saw it and I wrote a letter... Dear colleague letter, exactly like I did last year when President Wang said Zionists are welcomed. I wrote a dear colleague letter. I've always write it first to my colleague in the College of Ethnic Studies, and then I share it. So I wrote a uh, dear colleague letter, and then I shared it with other people. One of the, the colleagues, who is the past uh, dean, Ken Montero, actually wrote, then he wrote a letter to the provost saying what's going on and so on. And the provost came up with us with this this. Very interesting story. Let's just say very interesting story. You mean insulting and disrespectful? No, yeah, saying that, oh, it was somebody in her office. She passed it on, passed the buck on an administrative assistant in her office who looked at holidays and picked the one from Wellesley. I, and, copy you know, and pasted. Co copy and pasted that this is the only one that they found. And then, and the provost, so it's like, oh, the provost assigned an administrative assistant. The administrator went and looked and saw this one and just put it on. It's all very innocent. I'm sure from the administrative assistant, it's innocent. They looked at it and so on. But it also. I don't believe it. But no, no. Believe, but the buck stops with. Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you what the, the story is. So the, 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 the administrator puts it. But it also shows that the, the person who even looked at this calendar did not even notice that Israel Independence Day is actually being called the religious holiday for Judaism and did not notice that Ramadan or Eid al-Fitr is missing because there isn't a culture at San Francisco That's State right. to sensitize people structurally. The administration is very much colluding. But the provost comes in and said, oh, somebody, and I didn't look at it carefully, and I was abiding implementing the Senate policy of religious observances. Again, like all putting on somebody else is always like having someone else to blame but no leadership so Not i wrote back i wrote back to the provost i'm saying you're an administrator you're part of the leadership you are responsible even if somebody in your office makes a mistake That's and right. the person actually owned up, you know, actually wrote, but it should not be on the person. It's, oh, it's just a letter. You are the provost. You know how, even if you didn't know anything, you claim you understand and you're reading books about Israel-Palestine anti-Zionist, which is not really anti-Zionist, but that's another discussion. But she's actually, you're saying that you know what's going on. You know that the university has been sued by lawfare on uh, claims of anti-Semitism, which we defeated big time, and the, the judge three dismissed times, it. Three times. It's, yeah, but it's the last one is dismissed with prejudice, okay? Now they're trying to go to the Ninth Circuit. They're going to lose, but they keep doing it because they want to raise money, okay? So, I mean, this is what they're doing, and are they going to come and say that I'm anti-Semitic because I'm saying, I'm saying what lawfare is doing on their own video? Go ahead. I mean, you're going to keep doing it anyway. And so, and then, and then, and the, this is, and the university knows about this. We have complained multiple times. I have a law 
lawsuit, affirmative lawsuit against the university for breach of contract and also for violating my civil rights, for being racist, for being Islamophobic, for being pro, uh, pro-Israeli. And I actually even last year talked about it, and the provost herself is the one who threatened me with disciplinary measures if I did not take the Facebook page down, send me the email on Friday at 6 p.m. and demanded that I respond by Monday at noon. I mean, multiple so violations. So she's so careful to look so over your very, Facebook yes, page, no, no, but she, yeah, she yeah, wouldn't yeah. look They're over a, an I'm important doing. email yes, that goes campus-wide. And then when he alerted them, okay, assume she did. Let's assume, let's assume that she did. I don't Process buy it. Of, I don't, I don't buy, buy it either, but assume she did, okay? I don't buy it. Process of elimination, Jamal. Process of elimination. This happens. What do you do now? What you do, and we did say, we want you to apologize. It's really, don't tell me I am sorry if you feel Privately, that way. she doesn't want to admit No, 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 I'm not unacceptable. Public, real apology, not I'm sorry if you, but if this happened, this is what it means. This happened, and this is what it means, and take responsibility too, is immediately investigation, how these things happen. I do not buy a story that just, it's just like a, a clerical error. If it is, need to say so directly and change it. And move it, get out this and do it and say, this is why we're doing it. Acknowledge that you are validating is a narrative, Zionist narrative of Palestinian displacement and Nakba. And also yeah, saying that all Jews, holiday. no, they're saying that all Jews, the whole question of who owns Jewishness, that all Jews agree with it. And this is also why a lot of our allies, including students on campus, Jews against Zionism, are also quite livid about it and other people. Three is that you really need every single, and this is what we, our demands are, every single administrator in SFSU needs to go through sensitivity training, not by Anti-Defamation League, but by credible people who are actually know how to do sensitivity training. SFSU pays for the investigation and this, okay, not put it on us. And the people who are doing the investigation is an independent body that we all choose together and we bring people who are cre- above reproach and, and then build the Ahmed Studies program because if we have the Ahmed Studies program, not just one person constantly fighting 100,000 pat- battles, there will be more consciousness and more understanding at SFSU without people kind of like the only person who picks up the, the, the thing is me because I'm going through the, I'm actually going to see like what are they saying, what, what, when are we supposed to accommodate students and so on to figure out how to accommodate students. Right. And, and I was shocked. I mean, I was literally shocked. I'm like, wow, you actually will do something like this? I'm, I mean, it was first the initial shock. We asked them. We we waited. Rabab, Yesterday have you we had response? a protest. Have no, pro- no, no, no. Only no the only email is is an email from this uh, um, administrative administrative assistant. They threw the blame on I'm her. Basically, no, no. I'm going to actually write her back and say, you know, thank you for your actually started drafting, but didn't have time. Thank you for for your explain for being actually responsible enough to say so. But it's not your battle. This is not this is not. It is an, an administrative thing. This is a le- leadership issue, and I want to hear what the leadership is going to do about it. This is what, and you're not going to do it and next week next tuesday please let all your uh, here uh, um, listeners, listeners and viewers. viewers no we want you to come to san francisco state at 2 p.m at seven hills where the san francisco state senate is holding its meeting the first 20 minutes are always public comment and we are going to go and have a public comment nice. and speak nice. and ask and ask the senate to also act up and exercise their role because the union is already this is the three parties the three uh, powers administration 
Senate and unions in the, in the faculty, the students are doing their job. They're actually ahead of the game. We want the three the three parties, and the union already got, like is very 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 concerned about it, and they're giving San Francisco State a chance to respond. San Francisco is not going to respond. The union is actually going to issue a statement to condemn this and to point out what it is. Nice. We want to hear from the Senate what the Senate is going to do, and we want to hear from the administration. So we again, again, we are giving everybody an opportunity again. Too many patience, opportunities. Patience. Well, this is this is not going to end. I mean, we're going to no. keep talking about yes. this topic. We're not going to let it go, mm-hmm. right? Yes, we won't let it go. And, no, we're not. And going this is an ongoing, an ongoing yes. subject, an ongoing uh, battle that yes. affects everyone in basically not only in the Bay Area. Uh, we're going to take a short musical break, and uh, we're going to have uh, Maad Abu Ghazali. But, uh, Before Professor- you do, can I just say, please watch out on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. When you find Islamophobia, Zionism at SFSU, you will find a lot of information. Yes. We're putting it out because it's happening around the clock. We really need you there. We need your support. We need the community to come and basically hold SFSU accountable and hopefully maybe get SFSU to reclaim the social justice mission. Thank you, that Professor Abdelhadi. Thank you. All right, welcome back to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. And Jamal, one of my favorite guests of all time. Mad Abu Ghazala. You say this to every guest, though. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe. Maybe. Our last guest was my favorite guest, Professor Abdul Hadi. Now Maad is my uh, favorite guest. Well, it, you're having all nablus today. I know. It's the Nablusi yeah, day. Yeah, this it's is, we, we didn't say it this way. Nablusi, right? <laughs> um, well, Maad, as, as our listeners uh, will know, is the founder of Daily Hugs, which is really an extraordinary organization in Palestine Mad, that um, is committed to the humane treatment of basically animals that have been left abandoned or um, not being cared for anymore. Uh, it's a little bit more multifaceted but than say just more. that aspect. Um, so you're back, you're back in the Bay Area. We've had you on the show how long ago? It's was close to a year. So what's close happened year. in so, that year? So you want to know the progress. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people I know, just uh, quickly, the website is Daily Hugs. With a Z. With a with Z. A Z. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, dot a lot com, of, right? I know a lot of... Uh, dot org. Yeah. Dot, dot, org, dot org. A lot of people watch the website. They see the progress. They see all mm-hmm. the anim- animals you've been rescuing, yeah. all the kids getting their education. and And since that year... What's happened? What happened? Okay, just to give a little more context. So it's not yeah. really just about the animals. It's multifaceted. Right. Okay. Um, the core of it really is to address, um, it's to provide therapy. The same way you know PCRF, right? Palestine right. Children's Relief Fund provides uh, physical therapy to kids. Uh, we try to provide mental therapy to kids um, because um, if you've been to the West Bank, you've seen there's just a lot of stress uh, with all the uh, soldiers present everywhere, it creates... Um, Occupation is stressful. It is. Um, and it's not always visible, but it's always in the background. You know you can only go so far, and then, you know, there's physical violence waiting for you. If you get one step too far, somebody could shoot you. At right. any given day, you could get shot. Right. And just that knowledge, I think that stress plays on people. 
And so I think that builds up, especially on children who are really sensitive. Um, they need this kind of therapy. So the, the overall gist of this organization is to provide that therapy, to give uh, an outlet for children, uh, to find a, a place where they can um, relate to animals that have also been abused, um, have um, been subjected to violence. And, the, and it, it's synergistic. Both the animals benefit and the children benefit. Um, so, kind of so Maud, that's, an in, that's really an incredible task to take on. It really is, man. Because when you think, and you're exactly right, the level of distress that children have to experience in Palestine every single day. And as you said, there's just one step away from grave bodily injury, death, mm-hmm. destruction. You know, it's, it's horrific stress. The, the kind of bringing together of of these two concepts is really remarkable. Where did you get this idea? It's really, it's um, really it, brilliant. It, it's, it, it wasn't a, 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 log- a step, logical steps. It came from core values, which is uh, I've always been for the underdog. You know, I, I mean, I think Palestinians, we've always been the underdog. So, you know, I, I'm, I've, I, I looked at the society and saw, you know, who were the most abused in that society? And, and that happened to be the animals. They were on the bottom of the totem pole. And uh, who's the next level up is the kids. They, they don't have any power. So, you know, this, this is a cycle that really started with the occupation. You know, that's where a lot of um, the culture in Palestine right now is, is being held hostage to the occupation. We aren't mm-hmm. able to thrive as our own culture because of this military occupation. So that's where it all started for me is, you know, what can I do to resist that occupation? And, and I saw... Um, in the, in um, the children and in the animals, uh, a trickle down of abuse that started with the soldiers. It went to the parents, went to the children, and it went down to the, the animals. And so I, I wanted to reverse that going backwards. So, Maud, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about the setup that you have. Outside. It's a little outside of Nablus, right? Or is, is, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tell us about the daily setup. Daily hugs. Daily hugs. Tell us. How far is it from Nablus? Uh, it's about um, by... By donkey. By donkey, how far is it? It's a small village, about maybe 10, 15-minute drive from Nablus, but Mm -hmm. it's over a hill, and so Nablus stops abruptly. It's between two um, hills Mm -hmm. or two mountains, Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere in between a hill and a mountain. And on the other side of the hill, there's it's rural. So it's really considered a a village. And just uh, I'm halfway between the city of of Asira and a village called Toluza. Which Taluza, is right. Toluza, which is Palestinians consider Toluza in the middle of end absolutely of the, end no. Of the, you know, it's like you fall when off the you, planet when, 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 you, when, when you have an express, uh, expression, you know, and say, "Where is this?" It's like all the way in Toluza. It means like <laughs> it's all the way in Hawaii, like whatever. Timbuktu. You know, Timbuktu, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the, but the you world have, ends there. But you have a setup, Mod, which is part of the setup that you have, which is really remarkable. Is, is that you have a you have a space for the animals, you have a space for the children to come visit mm-hmm. with the animals and then you have this amazing kind of uh, olive grove too it's, right. it's it's quite a setup tell mm-hmm. our listeners more about it i yes. think you brought a bottle of olive oil i want to kind did. of like see it so at least we can for our viewers on facebook live here he, yeah yeah perfect right, there it is you know this it's is uh, palestine yeah olive. we have a name for it now it's called palestina olive oil and it says, um, with love from Daily Hugs. Can I, can I see it? Because sure. I'm going to get it closer for our viewers to see the labels. 
And how, how can they get – so part of what you're doing, you're, you're actually – because you have an olive grove on your land. Yeah, so there's, there's three – it's a tiered property. I, I bought this land in 2013, and it's got tiers to it. So the top tier is both olive trees as well as a, um, a, um, an amphitheater, um, which we used for a festival. We hosted a festival um, on on this land. The second tier is for children. We have playground, and the third tier is for it's split between a pen for the animals, and then a place where um, the animals run free. So th- the way we use this property is uh, when children come, um, the first thing they want to do. They um, you have to understand in in Palestinian culture, they, the children have never been, um, they've never touched dogs before. Uh, they, they've had no association with dogs other than from a distance, and they've been told they're they're wild and, and dangerous and well, uh, also people Some people view them also like as a working animal, like with mm-hmm. the shepherds. I mean, they have dogs, but you don't bring the dog into your own right. into your house. Right? You don't. You you love to have them, yeah. but you don't show affection right. to these animals. So, so that that's not a one-step process. You can't say, "Here are the dogs, go play with them." No, you have to go slow with right. them. Right. So, we, we they come and they play in the playground. Then we gradually take one or two at a time, and we take them into the pen to play with our donkeys. And as we have now five donkeys and twenty-five really? animals, are you uh, serious? Twenty-five dogs. Twenty-five dogs. That's amazing. You were talking, Jamal, about the growth. So yeah. we went from just having less th- about half of that right. last year, and all of a sudden you've people, doubled. You doubled. People knew started to hear about us, and all of a sudden we're getting all these phone calls about, "Oh, I saw this dog." in the street. I saw this donkey in the street and we're, we've been picking them but up. But you've also like helped people to adopt like dogs. Uh, like the, last the time you came here and I don't know if this time yeah, you brought with you a dog. We did. Yes. Yeah, so Somebody the, adopted from the States. You traveled well, with, right? Yeah, we, we'd prefer to keep the dogs there. Um, mm-hmm. But in certain cases where they need um, exceptional medical treatment, we I, I bring them myself to the U.S. Right. So we, we had this dog last year called Naji. Mm-hmm. Which I, who I brought with me, he was um, Naji means survivor. And mm-hmm. when we got him, he was so skinny he could barely he couldn't stand up. Literally could not stand up. Um, and uh, it was yeah he was being um, terribly abused. Uh, and so we we grabbed him and I brought him to the states and he's living here. Um, this year I brought Panda, who's a husky, mm-hmm. uh, husky Cute name Panda, husky border collie mix. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, and so I've been traveling around the country um, distributing this olive oil I was showing you. And Panda's been my travel buddy. So listen, um, the the website is Daily Hugs H U Z H U G Z. But the, the dot, dot org. But the the real activity is in the Facebook. We right. have a Facebook group. What's right. the Facebook group? Yeah, it's Daily Hugs Group. Uh, so we have Facebook slash Daily Hugs uh, oh, groups. It? Yeah, groups? it's Facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Hugs. Um, or you can just search for Daily Hugs in Facebook. Facebook. So I have a few questions here from viewers on Facebook. Actually, you mentioned Facebook because we're broadcasting live on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. One of them here from my Khatib. Uh, but are these dogs medically checked? <laughs> um, yes, we, we, we go th- every dog goes into quarantine when we get them. Um, and yeah, because we have children coming. So we right. have to be very careful about it. So they're quarantined for a couple of weeks. We have stables. Uh, we put them in the stable. If they get through that, we have a vet coming in regularly. They get shots. They get rabies and um, parvovirus um, uh, antivirus shots. So they're completely um, checked by a vet before children have any um, association with them. So I heard like one time you brought in this donkey, mm-hmm. and then the second day you woke up and the donkey became two donkeys. Yeah. <laughs> 
it was an embarrassing situation. So what, what happened was well, it's a cute story. Yeah, yeah we had a, we um, all of our donkeys start with ha or ha, ha. So we we have a donkey called Habiba. Yeah, a female donkey, <laughs> gorgeous donkey, beautiful donkey. Um, but she 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 started to get really round. So we had four guys look at her. We had myself, Abu Ayman, who's our, our gardener. Osama, who's the, the manager, and then the vet, who's Rakan, we were all looking at this donkey, and we had one woman come in who was a volunteer from France, Aladi, and she, the one woman looks at the donkey and says, this donkey's pregnant. And we go, no, 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 she's just fat. <laughs> so <laughs> all the guys that insisted she was just fat. Um, Typical guy thing. Yeah, exactly. We, we could have noticed it. And Cheech said, no, it's clearly this donkey's pregnant. So we, we actually went ahead and did an ultrasound one week before New Year's. Mm-hmm. The, the vet said this donkey is just fat. Stop feeding her uh, <laughs> barley. Um, oh, on my. New Year's Day, I wake up and there's a brand new foal, brand new baby donkey. She got, went into labor on New Year's, new Year's what, Eve. What did you name the new donkey? Hiba. Hiba, what a beautiful yeah, name. Yeah, she's our present for 2019. But uh, my peop- I know people on Facebook are asking, we get this all the time, if people want to support Daily Hugs or they want to get the olive oil, how do they do that? Um, yeah, so that's the best way, honestly, to support it is get the oil, at least to get something positive out of it besides the good feelings. Um, uh, it's called, if you can go to the website, which is palestinaoliveoil.com, um, you can order a bottle of olive oil. Um, it's, uh, we're suggesting a donation of $50, uh, and that'll, you know, that'll go a long way but to help us out. But you should say something about Palestinian olive oil, Mike. We're not oh, just talking, we're not talking about olive oil that you're getting at, no, no, Costco no. It's that, wa- that water that's um, colored water that no, you get at Safeway. We're no, talking about – no, but we're talking about organic, yeah. first press, virgin olive oil. No, nobody who's tried it says it tastes anything like you'll get it at Safeway or in a grocery store. It tastes – it really has a rich olivey flavor and texture. It's, it's really thick and has a deep, deep green color. Um, so, so it's nothing like you'd see on Safeway. So, Matt, I want to ask you a little bit about what your observations have been one year on because mm-hmm. you've had tremendous growth. Right. I want to get your sense of what your observations have been for the animals as well as for the children who are able to bond with these with these amazing dogs mm-hmm. and donkeys. Well, so the, the, that's, the, the easy part was recognizing the need for this. Um, when we bring in the children, uh, they've – we bring a lot in from the refugee camps, um, and we, we bring in autistic children. Uh, the, the, the appreciation they show for being able to be outside in nature, to be able to show affection yeah. to other animals, is just instant. Yeah. Like within minutes, um, you can just see them light up, and, and they, they love to come. Um, so that part I knew was there. The need for this I knew was there. I think, um, and so we've just been growing, um, I think, organically. It is a, it's a bit of a jump. We went basically double the number of animals. But um, the two new things we've done is now because we, we have almost an overflow of animals, we don't want to just turn into a shelter. We have um, bunches of dogs and, and, and donkeys and little stalls. We want to make it uh, still be a sanctuary where animals can um, live so- with a somewhat free and happy life so that the children can relate to them and, and right. feel that sense of joy of just enjoying each other's company. Uh, that's what we're really striving for, that sense of happiness that's lacking in a lot of these children's lives. Um, the biggest change really isn't that growth. The biggest change is for me to realize the context of that growth. And that context is that um, my form of resistance, I know everybody has different forms of resisting the occupation. 
for me, this is how I resist the occupation, is I'm starting to recognize that, that one of the big uh, motivations of the occupation is to destroy the villages. The villages are the heart of the Palestinian culture. And I'm from Nablus, which is mm-hmm. the largest Arab city in the West Bank. So I sh- you, know, I, you wouldn't think I'd be the one to say this, but I, I recognize that Nablus is really just a trading post. It's where all the villagers, I mean, you th- look at the, the, the landscape of the West Bank is it's all olive trees, which is olive trees and then villages interspersed, interspersed between these olive, olive trees. And then the towns like Ramallah and, um, and, and these village, the towns like Nablus, they're just trading posts for these, these farmers to bring their olives and trade them for goods. So that's where the root of Palestinian culture, the language, um, the food is mm. all in the villages. And I'm starting to recognize that now. And, and I'm starting to try to um, um, resist the occupation by, by encouraging the growth of the villages. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a there's a big push by the Israeli occupation to to push the villagers into the cities. Right, to, right, right. Urbanization. So I know you have there is an event tonight at the Arab Cultural Center to Plaza. Um, you're going to be meeting people talking about the project. I know I got a text uh, updating me that that entire area lost power. Oh, but hopefully it will come back. Otherwise, you'll have to have your event. Candlelight. Well, that's yeah. okay. It's like back home. I don't know it's if like our, for our, I mean, for our listeners, who, who, for our listeners, <laughs> do they have water? That's more than they have. Yeah, for our listeners, I know for our listeners who are watching us uh, on Facebook and who are not in the living in the Bay Area, we've been getting tons of rain. Uh, mm-hmm. This uh, past few days, actually, the entire week, right. some parts uh, outside the city are flooded. Uh, I think you lost power, yes, you know, in your yeah. house. So, so hopefully they'll restore power. But let's give uh, the website tonight. But it's uh, well, two anyway, Plaza Street, two Plaza, what time? 630? 630 to eight. If you want to, and they can buy olive oil Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing is, is the websites again, Jamal? I think we need to give the websites again. Dailyhugs.org. Facebook page. Facebook page. A Facebook group. Facebook group, Daily Hugs. Mm-hmm. But PalestinaOliveOil.com. That's dot where you com. get the, the That's oil. how you can order the oil. Mm-hmm. So how many animals do you have now? Like we got about five 20, and 25, right? That's right. 30. Yeah, yeah um, 30 total animals. Um, but they're, they, they're growing. We're getting more and more demand. We're, we're, we're overflowing. Any pregnant? Are any pregnant? How would we know? <laughs> if it's the, the guys, you'll right. never know. I'll have to ask the women. We're putting them all on diets. Hey, Maud, we, um, we really appreciate you coming. I know that uh, we really appreciate the work that you do, man. It's, hey, thanks, man. It's an extraordinary form of um, courage and resistance to be able to do the project that you're doing. And uh, we're really grateful for the well, work that you uh, do. Palestine's about human rights and animal rights. Yes. Well, it's, it's, but, it's rights to the just, underdog. Yes, absolutely. But, but as Maud said, you know, they're, the part of the occupation is to destroy humanity mm-hmm. of of all of Palestine, and what right. Daily Hugs does is reestablish the fundamental hum- humanity that all Palestinians Perfect. have yeah. and are entitled to. Yeah, so, like th- thanks a lot, Maud. We really right, appreciate thanks, it. All right. So, you've been listening to Arab Talk Radio on KPO San Francisco eighty nine point five FM. You could get all our archived shows right on our website arabtalkradio.com and also we are on SoundCloud iTunes and of course you can watch us live uh, on my Facebook page the Jamal Dejani the number 2 every week 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific time talk to you next week we'll see you next week <laughs>